What's up, homies? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. My name's Brandon Harper, or as some people call me, Brandon Harper. I'm just a regular dude living a regular life with lots of opinions. Some of them will align with yours and some of them won't. I talk about the things that lots of people won't talk about, but lots of people think about. Or lots of people talk about in secret, but not in public. And I always try to find a few things to laugh about. This is not a pre-recorded intro. I've given up on those. I don't like the way they sound. It doesn't feel natural. So I'm just going to wing every single intro kind of like this. So if it's your first time listening, welcome. If it's your last time listening, well, that's your problem. But thanks for tuning in on that AM dial. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 30 to 45 minutes of debauchery. Attention all social media influencers. Stop saying hey guys. And stop lying about people asking about your skincare routine. Nobody asks about your skincare routine. You just want to say it. Probably because you're sponsored. Why can't I get a sponsor? Would somebody please sponsor me? I'll say your name on the air. Make you famous. Won't cost you much. Just a little bit. Gotta start somewhere. Man, the stock market. There is absolutely no explanation for what is happening in the stock market right now. I mean, it's been just going up at a record rate. Recently, it's taken a little bit of a hit. But I just cannot believe what it's doing. I mean, given the COVID crisis and the election, what do you typically hear during an election year? Yeah, stock market's flat. Really, No one's really doing anything because of the election. Yeah, everyone's just kind of waiting for the election. People are just standing by for the election. Here we are in like 45 days from an election, and the stock market is erupting like a volcano. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I just think it's a bubble. That's just my opinion. I mean, look at Tesla. I talked a little bit about their value, but... It's just it's just going up more and more and more. Pretty soon, if, if Tesla's stock price doubles one more time, they will then become the most valuable automaker, if you're looking at their stock price, than all other auto companies in the world combined. That means if you take the share price, the price of one share to buy into the company, Sold on the stock market exchange. And you multiply that times the number of shares that are out there floating around in existence. That's the value of a company for for this purpose of this podcast. And if you add up all those companies, after you've multiplied the stock price times the stocks that are out there, and you add those companies up, 
Tesla is still more valuable. If their if their stock price doubles, Tesla would still be more valuable than the rest of the companies combined. That is just crazy. I also want to put a disclaimer out here, and I'm going to say it before I forget about it, and then I'm going to get back about Tesla, is that I'm really working on not pausing the recording. So I'm going to force myself to talk and, and control the way I speak while I'm also reading and thinking about what I'm going to say next. So in the past, you've heard me at my best or what sounds like my best because I'm stopping and I'm editing and I'm cutting out dead spots. So I'm really going to make an effort to not do that. If I really, really start flubbing things up like Joe Biden style, then I'll stop it and then you'll never know. But man, I bet Joe, I bet Joe Biden wishes he could just stop everything that recorded him and straighten himself out. So if you hear more flubs, no, I'm not drunk. No, I haven't been doing drugs today. And yeah, I'm just trying to speak like I would if I was on a radio show, because eventually I would love to be live on the terrestrial radio. Okay, so going back to Tesla, I've come to figure out, and this is just my speculation, that Elon Musk is not in the business of making cars or making batteries or, you know, getting us to the uh, the moon and Mars for the the greater good of humanity. I do think he enjoys the space travel and making the cars and all that. I really think he wants to colonize Mars. He said that in his book. But I think the um, the overall spectrum or the overall scheme that he's following, uh, and I mean scheme and like the British way, not the US way. It's funny, the British say scheme and it just means like plan or playbook. But when we say scheme, it's like dirty rotten scoundrels. Anyway, Elon Musk has figured out that he can control his stock price, I think. So when he says things that make it go up, it's no accident that it goes up and then he sells a bunch of the stocks off. And then when the stock price falls, comes back down, he buys it all back. And then when it goes up, he sells it all back, which is a great plan if you can control the stock price. And he's gotten his wrist slapped by the SEC before, but he still does it, and he still makes it like a bandit. So, yeah, he's figured out how to manipulate his stock price in order to fund his little uh, pet businesses, I think. That's my theory. I don't know how he gets away with it. I don't know. I feel like anyone else, they would, they would, uh, they would pop him. But yeah, every time it goes up, he sells some off. They just sold off like five hundred million dollars worth or something ridiculous like that. I would like to try driving a Tesla car though. I rode in one one time, and the guy he was kind of scary. He didn't want to go too fast, but I'd like to ride in it and experience the uh, technology and just have it go fast. My biggest beef with them is their range. I think now that they're up to like 500 miles wouldn't keep me from having one. But until then, I just feel like it's a hassle to like stop and charge your car on a road trip. Wouldn't work here in Texas. I don't know. There's not, I haven't seen many places for them to charge. Speaking of frustrated, I never knew. Well, I kind of knew, but I never, I've never seen it from the other side of a perspective. How mad people get. (laughs) When their food gets messed up. I mean, you know, now at the brewery, 
to play the stupid governor's games. We're serving food. We're a restaurant because we all know you cannot get COVID if you're there to eat. So we're serving food, following the rules, still wearing the mask, all that stuff. But, you know, we're not food guys. We've never been restaurateurs before. We're just figuring this out, okay? And I expect the public to just know this, but maybe they don't. So we'll give someone an order, and all of our orders are packaged in to-go bags so that they can take them to go if they're too scared to eat in front of their COVID friends or whatever. So we give everyone their food, and then every now and then, like, something gets messed up, or, hey, you left the corn out, or whatever. It just happens, you know, especially when we're doing as much business as we were doing last weekend. People come up to me, and they're like, well, let me let me back up a little bit. So the process is you walk up to the counter, you place your order, you take a buzzer, you sit down. When your buzzer goes off, you come up to the counter, you get your food, and you go back to your COVID-free table. But people would come up to me after their buzzer's gone off, after they've gotten their food, and they're like, hey, you didn't, you, you didn't give us a Coke, or you didn't give us our soda. But that we hand you that right when you get the buzzer. Why are you waiting 20 minutes to come tell me I didn't give you something that you walked off before you got? <laughs> you know, I was like, well, did you walk off? And they're like, well, yeah. And I go, well, so you walked off without your Coke. I didn't forget to give it to you. You walked off. You didn't get it. I mean, it, people just get angry. You know, one guy, he gets up to check his food and his buzzer's going off. And he's like, this is not my food. This is not my food. And I go, okay, okay, just give us a minute. We'll sort it out. He's like, what? You, my buzzer went off and this isn't my food. And I go, I understand. Just sit down for a second. Let me look into it and we'll figure out what's going on. The guy was looking at his buzzer upside down. He thought he had buzzer number nine, but he had buzzer number six. And, and number nine was on his food. So he thought the number nine on his buzzer corresponded with the food that was not his. And he was so mad Really, it was a six. And these people, there's no, oh, man, I'm sorry, my bad. They just take the food and walk away. And, And this has helped me come to realize that Americans have a very, very high standard when it comes to service. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? How did we get there? I mean, if you want to, you want to test it, you take an American and you stick them in Nicaragua at a restaurant. And, and sometimes, you know, if you're with a group of six, you can forget about all your food coming out at the same time. More than likely, if you order six dishes, one of them's going to be gone or not available. It's just all the things that frustrate us about a restaurant. So over the course of this weekend, I just noticed these people getting mad. And I kept thinking, like, why, why are they so mad? And then I'm like, oh, it's because our service expectations are so high. And then I was trying to figure out, like, why, why are they so high? Why are our expectations so high? And the answer to that is because we always give good service. And I think the reason for that is because people work for tips. Or we have a high standard of service coming from the employer. They put a lot of pressure on the wait staff to give good service. I like that. I like good service. I don't like it to the point of expecting it so much that it frustrates us when we don't have it. I think people should travel more and go to other countries and experience terrible service everywhere they go. So they'll be a little bit more appreciative of good service here. I also think it has to do with the culture that we have, the, um, the, the culture that's instilled. The Western Anglo, do your job as best as you possibly can. Try to be better than the next person. That's part of our culture. 
it's not around the rest of the world. So I'm going to try something. I'm going to tell the people working behind the bar and taking orders to set the expectation to say, hey, look, your food's going to be 25 to 30 minutes. We never intended to be a restaurant. We didn't want to be a restaurant. We were forced into being a restaurant. So please don't hold that against us. We're trying. I also got to thinking about how people who recommend to their friends who can cook well, you should start a restaurant, bro. Like if your, your chicken nuggets are so good, or, dude, these wings, you should start a restaurant. <laughs> hey, I've been one of those guys before. I've been one of those guys. People have also told me the same thing. Man, this is a good burger. You should open a restaurant. Now I know... There is so much more to operating a restaurant than cooking the food. And, and I don't mean just so much more to do, because most people could guess that. But so much more to know and to understand. I mean, I kind of thought, oh, it's all common sense. You know, I'll be able to figure it out as I go. You will. You will be able to figure it out. But you'll be far less efficient. You will still make mistakes. You will still spend money that you shouldn't be spending. You should still let food go to waste that shouldn't be going to waste. You'll still overcook food. You'll still undercook food. You'll still make mistakes. And you know, there's there's certain things that you don't think about. How to manage inventory. How much you can have sitting there that won't spoil. So that when you get slammed on a Saturday, you're not running to H-E-B every 30 minutes. I mean, how much to predict? How much, you know, you're going to run a special on Saturday? Okay. How much chicken are you going to buy? I don't know. How many people are going to come? I don't know. We've never done this before. Well, we got to cook chicken for them. Okay. So we got to go buy the chicken. How much chicken do we buy? I have no idea. Luckily for us, I'm okay to run out of food. It's kind of the norm for barbecue joints. And it could be a marketing tactic. I'm not saying that we use it that way. But it can be. Another thing to contend with is personnel issues. You know, you hire just enough people to keep the thing going. And then when one person can't show up or doesn't show up, everyone's got to pick up the slack. Or one or two people have to pick up the slack. And then now they're all pissed off. And then they want a day off. Then they want to take some time away. You also got to worry about health code issues. And the um, health code enforcement marching up in the place, which happened to us last week. They were dying to find something wrong, you know, trying to save America one kitchen at a time. Because, you know, we got big, big problems here in the U.S. We got kitchens who have big problems. Lots of people are dying because of how many problems we're having in the kitchens. Oh, your grease trap isn't vented right. That could kill someone. Okay, bro, get out of here. So, yeah, all that on top of your normal business issues, like managing your finances, Paying your sales tax, paying your payroll tax. I think most people don't, don't have any clue what it takes to run a small business. I really don't. If you've never been in a family and seen it firsthand, or you've never owned and run one, you really don't know. And for some people, that's all they know. They don't know what it's like to go work for someone. I really think parents should spend time with kids teaching them about entrepreneurship. And, and even if the parents have never run a business... They should, uh, they should help their child create a small business, even if it's just a, on paper. Or, or the parents can control the outcome, and they can make it like a board game and say, okay, you have an ice cream truck. What happens when your power goes out? What do you do? And then you know, every day, give them a new scenario. They have a bankroll. Give them their sales. 
tell them, you know, like the board game life, something like that, but but based on, you know, running a small business. So they're every day, and it can be on pen and paper. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be on an iPad, computer, nothing. Go through a scenario with them every day. Teach them how to deal with those things. And no, I don't think it's a school's job. I think it's a parent's job. I think lemonade stands are the coolest, most American, greatest thing for kids ever. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I ever had a lemonade stand. I may have. I may have like been part of one, but I never like did the whole thing myself. My first business venture was painting curbs. I think, other than cutting grass for your parents and grandparents and the neighbors or whatever. I think the first, yeah, the first business that I ever was a part of was. And this is credit to my dad. And he said, look, you need to go out there and paint addresses on curbs. And so he, <laughs> oh, my dad. If you knew him, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. But so he, someone put a note on his door that said, hey, we're going to be in the neighborhood painting curbs. If you'd like to have your curb painted, uh, let us know and we'll, it'll cost you this much and, and leave the money in the envelope and we'll paint it. And you come home and you have an, an address painted on your curb. Well, so he typed up this um, this note for me. First, he sent me down and said, look, you know, here's this little business plan. Do you want to do it? Do you want to try it? I go, yeah, sure. I want to go for it. I was probably like 10, maybe 9, 11. I don't know, somewhere in there. And so he's like, look, if you do it, I have an idea of how we can retype this flyer to get you more business. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And I didn't even figure it out until later in life. But <laughs> what my dad did was retype this little flyer. And he put the city seal on it. I think I was living in Arlington at the time. And so he goes and gets like the, maybe he just drew something that looked very official. I don't know, but it was like city of Arlington. And he worded the the flyer in a way that made it sound like, hey, the city's coming by. We're painting your curb. You need to leave this much money outside. And (laughs) it was like a, it was like a, you have to for the 911 or whatever. Like the police need to be able to find your house. And it's required by law. And I don't know if he said required by law. Uh, if you know him and you know why he went to prison, then, yeah, you probably wouldn't be surprised if he wrote required by law. But, yeah, I would I'd, I'd had a little uh, radio flyer wagon. And uh, on a Saturday or Sunday, I'd go knock on every door. And I would, you know, hi, I'm Brandon, and I'm painting curbs for the summer. I was wondering if I could put the address on your curb. I can do one for seven or two for ten, and I have all these colors. And I would point to the wagon and all the colors. And I would always make sure to point across the street and use the last name of the people across the street. I just did Mr. Jones over there. If you want to go look at it, we can go look at it. I'll have to admit, I had a pretty good run. I don't remember what what I did or anything, but I remember thinking it was a good amount of money. I think I bought myself a new wagon. And I can't remember. I think that was before I started selling candy at school. That was another one. I may have talked about that, but I digress. I think entrepreneurship, even if you don't practice it, would be a great thing to teach your children. Take it from me, a guy who has zero kids. Speaking of children, can someone please tell me, while Cardi B, the female rapper, is trying to interview... Basement-dwelling Hayden Biden. I mean, <laughs> did you watch this? Listen, if you didn't watch this, just Google search Cardi B interviews Biden. It is one of the scariest things I've ever seen, okay? 
I don't think either one of these people had any clue what the other was saying. I think they virtually speak two different languages. And I've never seen... I don't, even, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. First off, when they started out, there was a big audio delay, and neither one of them <laughs> could figure out what was happening. Bless their hearts. They just kept talking over each other. And it wasn't like they were just speaking. There was no regard for what the other person was saying. Even if they wanted to listen to them, they couldn't because they were both talking at the same time. And neither one of them knew what was happening. And it was just sad. So we, we've got this Cardi B. I hope... I hope you don't know who she is, but if you don't, she's like this female rapper who I think was like a stripper or a prostitute and like takes pride in robbing money from people. You know, she thinks that promiscuity should be celebrated. She has a potty mouth, which I just, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't like, I know it's a double standard. I don't like it when guys cuss a whole lot and they talk dirty. But I really don't like it when girls cuss a lot and talk dirty. It's just gross. It's hard to be, it's hard to respect someone who doesn't respect himself enough to, to hold back and, and try to have a, a better vocabulary. I mean, are you telling me you can't come up with a better word than that? Yep, that's exactly what she was telling me. I mean, she was like, and I want to know what are you going to do with my taxes and what are you going to do for me and what's it for my people and me and I and me and me and this and we. And Biden says, well, that, and that's right, Cardi. That's why you're going to vote for Joe Biden. And and like there was no communicating going on. I mean, she was an absolute display of ignorance. And and you know what? About music, about rapping, about hoeing, about Louis Vuitton shoes, she probably knows more than I'll ever know on my best day. But about politics, you don't know anything. You are uneducated about politics. And why do we choose someone who's uneducated about politics to interview someone about politics? I don't know. I do not know, but I would be embarrassed. I really feel sorry for the Democrat Party that's having to reach this hard. There... We can all admit that the only reason that they got Cardi beat and if you Joe Biden was to get a subset of voters. That is the only reason. Joe Biden doesn't know who that person is. He couldn't recite one of her songs. She would be the butt of all of his jokes. I would bet a lot of money on that. But they're reaching. They're reaching so hard for voters. They're willing to put their candidate up, who has a hard time answering questions to begin with, to deal with this individual who just rambles about her tax dollars and how she wants free health care for everyone. I mean, she doesn't understand things like just basic economic principles. She couldn't define the GDP. She doesn't know what inflation is. She doesn't know what deflation is. She doesn't know what monetary policy is. She doesn't understand the Fed funds rate or the Fed discount rate, price elasticity, or what, what elasticity luxury goods have. She doesn't know that. She can't tell you what the Dow is, or the interest rate, or the capital gains tax rate, or what a 1031-like exchange is. And you know what? She doesn't have to know all that. She's blessed to be so wealthy that she can pay people to take care of all that stuff for her, which is great. I'm all for that. But guess what you don't get to do? You don't get to talk about it. You don't get to you don't get to have an opinion on that. I mean, do we see like politicians begging to go sing on stage? Do we value what a politician thinks when it comes to 
sports teams or fantasy football? Is a is a governor going to have a better insight on a fantasy football team than anyone else? Of course not. So why do we care what celebrities think about politics? I mean, that's that's kind of silly. How much stock we put into these people? So yeah, if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to not watch it. <laughs> kind of, I don't know. It's not worth watching, but man, you'll feel bad. You will feel bad for the Democratic Party. I mean, has the Republicans done anything like that? I'm just curious. I don't know. I'm genuinely asking. Would they put someone up to interview Trump? Okay, the closest thing to that that I've seen is Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. And the only reason it's close is because they're both wealthy. Dave Portnoy is a smart guy. He asks great questions. He asked Donald Trump questions that no one else has ever asked him. And they were smart, educated, well-thought-out questions. So... If you can think of, uh, if there's ever been an example of an idiot interviewing Trump, then let me know. I'd like to hear about it. I'd, I'd love to. I'll play it on here. But, but the, the Republicans have more sense than that. They don't have to do that to get a voter base. And that's what the Democratic Party, agree with them, disagree with them, love them, hate them, no matter what. You can't deny that they're shifting to the left. The Democrat Party used to be the hardworking man, the blue-collar guy, the guy with his name tag on his shirt. He was a mechanic. He worked at the plants. He wore coveralls. He did shift work. He had a family and everyone had to take care of. He worked overtime. That used to be the Democrat. And now, that's not. That's a Republican now. And a lot of Democrats, if you ask them, they'll say, I did not leave the Democrat Party. The Democratic Party left me. It's a very interesting phrase. But, yeah, if you look at it, I mean, the if you just look up, look who they're pandering to, okay, who are they desperately trying to get vote for them? They're not speaking to the auto workers anymore. They've given up on them. So they've now gone from the, the, the lower working, maybe middle class, lower middle class, to now they're going after people that don't work. They don't have jobs. Or they're very, very young and they're inexperienced and they have no career history. And what's going to happen when those people run out? When they have those people on lockdown... There's not much else to go. You can't really go any farther. Now, maybe they'll cycle around again, and maybe they'll start going back. You know, the uber wealthy will now be the, the, who the left panders to. I don't know. It's super interesting to me. It's interesting to see who parties reach for. And, yeah, I'm curious why the Republicans hasn't, haven't reached for the Hispanic population. I mean, they share a lot of the same values. I uh, think I've maybe talked about this before, but still, yeah. I mean, the um, the average Hispanic or Mexican family, the guy's hardworking. The mom stays at home. They have family values. They take care of each other. I mean, that's that's Republican. They're they're Christian or they're Catholic, which a lot of Christians wouldn't call Christian, but they're they're religious. Their faith is important to them. They're not greedy. They're not selfish. I mean. I don't know, well, I kind of know how the Republicans missed the mark, but I don't know why they're not going back for them. But that, that would be an example, you know, similar to, to the, the left pandering to uh, Cardi B fans, I guess. I don't know. This is all getting so, so confusing to me. It's getting tiresome. I just want the election to be here. And currently, I think I've got 450 bucks riding on Trump to win. Still taking bets. If anybody wants some, let me know. That 450 is not with one person. It's with like three three or four people. So hit me up. I'm good for it. 
You think Biden's going to win? Put your money where your mouth is. I just dropped off my truck at the dealership to get some work done to it. And I got an Uber ride back to my house. And I, I, I love talking to Uber drivers because they always have a story. If they don't have a story about them, they have a good story about some, somebody in the Uber doing something stupid. And I've noticed that a lot of Uber drivers are, are immigrants from foreign country. And today's driver was a guy who uh, moved to the U.S. from India. Something J, Vinjay, Vinjay, something like that. I don't remember exactly. But uh, so we started talking and he said, oh, yeah, I own, a, um, I own an RV park in Rockport. And I said, well, if you own an RV park, why are you driving for Uber? He said, well, it's kind of empty right now. There's not much happening. I'm just sitting around. I'm just kind of bored. There's not much to do. I've already done all the improvements and the maintenance that I was going to do. So we got to talking, and I thought, I wonder if he's from a wealthy family, and they just you know, loaned him the money. And so I asked him, you know, when did you get here? What did you start doing? Come to find out, the guy started out in San Francisco, and he, he laid out this plan before he left India. He moved over here with his parents. I didn't ask him how old he was, probably if I had to guess. Mid to late 20s. He said he was married. And I really wanted to know where a good Indian food restaurant in town was, but he didn't have one because he's like, if I eat Indian food, my wife cooks it, bro. I'm like, okay. But anyway, so he moved to San Francisco. And I didn't ask him why he started out there, but he moved to San Francisco. He worked at a hotel, and he worked at an RV park, and he drove Uber. And he said he lived like a rat and saved up every dime he could possibly save. And he knew that, that for the... The wage rates were so high in San Francisco that he knew he could stockpile money and then relocate somewhere else in the U.S. that had a cheaper cost of living, be able to start his own business, and start out further ahead. And, and that's what he did. So he comes to Corpus Christi, where the land is cheap, and he buys the land, and he develops an RV park. And I'm thinking, man, that is the American dream. That is what this country is built to do. And I was like, man, it gave me chills. Like, I was so proud of that dude. I was like, man, we got people in this country who run around and all they want to do is bitch about not being able to find work or being oppressed or, or, or being victims of racism and not being able to get the money that they need to earn. And this guy moved over here, didn't even speak the language. Wife didn't speak the language. And look what he did. And... I don't understand while, why people like that are not examples. Like, there should be a movie, like a little minute-long bio about that guy that just pops up on your Instagram feed. I mean, think about how much good that would do compared to every other feed being about racism and Black Lives Matter. And Look, I'm not minimizing that. If you feel that there's a problem with it, then you have the right to voice your opinion. I feel like, and you know what? Every single one of these uh, Uber drivers that I talk to, they all say the same thing. They say, man, there's no poverty here. You want to see poverty? You go to my country. People live on top of each other in cardboard boxes that don't know what they're going to eat every single day. They bathe in sewage. And people, people may respond to that and say, well, yeah, sure, but we can always improve. We can, we can improve, but I feel like the, it's just like anything else. Like when you have a race car engine and, and the first improvement you make to it is very, very big and it doesn't cost much money and you get a big gain. As time goes on, 
it requires a lot bigger investment to get a little bit of a gain. So when you get up in the 1,000 horsepower range, 1,500 horsepower range, it takes so much more of an investment just to gain 5 horsepower. But really, if you're in the 300 and 350 horsepower range, a little investment can get you 25, 30, 40, maybe even 50, 60 horsepower. And so that's how I feel like, sure, things could be better. Sure, we could have more horsepower. But at what cost? What is it going to take us to get there? What are we willing to sacrifice? If people can move here, look different, talk different, not even speak the language, and be successful, why can't someone who's born here that speaks the language, that understands our culture? I I am so sick and tired of the words systemic racism. And you know what? If you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. We can talk about it. And we can still be friends. You don't have to hate me because we disagree. And if you think I'm a racist because I don't agree with systemic racism, well, you know what? That's your decision. I can't stop you. I refuse to say, to tell people, I'm not a racist because it makes you sound like a racist. I mean, if it wasn't for people walking around screaming about racism, it, it wouldn't be part of my life. And I think that holds true for 99% of people in this country. You know, it's not, it's not wrong to say people look for excuses to not do things. I do. You do. Everyone does. People always look for an excuse to not do something. Could that be what's going on? Could that be that people haven't been raised with what it takes to be successful in this country? So they haven't had the opportunity. But it wasn't society who pulled the opportunity away from them. It was their own parents. It was their upbringing. It wasn't the school system who held them down and oppressed them. These teachers that barely get paid any money, they want to see kids succeed. I guarantee you, teachers who teach in the inner city schools don't do it for money. They want to turn things around. They want to make a change, which I love. I adore that. I think it's so honorable. But you talk to inner city teachers, they don't do it for very long. They can't. It wears them out. They end up transferring to uh, private schools where they make less money. But I've asked them, I said, hey, why would you leave public schools to go to private school? And they said, because of the behavioral problems. They're willing to work for less money to not have to deal with the problems that the inner city schools have. Is that racism? Is that, are we not supposed to say that? I'm just repeating what they told me. I don't know. If you want to make a pinata out of me, go for it. All right. 38 minutes and counting. I apologize for not cranking one out sooner. I know I've gone above my week mark. I think I'm at like 10 days. Did I mention that I bought some shoes from the drug dealer last week? I don't know what he laced them with, but I was tripping all day long. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Brandon Hopper, and you have just listened to the Life in Paradise podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Subscribe, like, share, blah, 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 whatever they always say. And keep it tranquilo. Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue. If I can dream of a better land where all my brothers walk hand in hand, tell me why. Oh, why? Why 
must be peace and understanding sometimes. Strong winds of promise that will blow away all the doubt and fear. If I can dream of a warmer sun where hope keeps shining on everyone, tell me why. Oh, why? Oh, why won't that sun Thank you. Good night.